You're listening to Unseen Theatrics with Clinton Kamak. The liaison between the venue and the client presenting the show. Responsible for making sure that every aspect is covered from water to Wi-Fi and making sure technical requirements are met when the client arrives at the venue. Today we are talking about the role of a production coordinator. Vanessa has toured with musicals around the nation and throughout Asia in the lighting department and has made the move into production coordinating, working at the Adelaide Festival Centre. Welcome, Vanessa, to Unseen Theatrics podcast for today. Hi, Vanessa. Hello. Thank you for having me. That's all right. It's uh, good to have you, have you here. Um, we're talking about a production coordinator today. So um, can you tell me a bit of an overview of what a production coordinator does? Sure. I started production coordinating in about 2017. It's the kind of job where you are a liaison between incoming companies and the venue or festival or institution that you, as a production coordinator, work for. So it's kind of like a production manager, but a coordinator is more like putting together all the different pieces of information, technical production-related information, from a company coming into a venue and passing that on to the people that work for uh, the venue, not only production staff, but there's lots of different departments that need production-related information to put together what they do. And then also passing back information to the incoming company about the centre or the festival or the venue and answering questions from the, the venue that they might have of the incoming company. There's production coordinators at the Sydney Opera House, for example. There's production coordinators at the Adelaide Festival of Arts. And I worked as a production coordinator for the Adelaide Festival Centre. Okay, cool. What skills are necessary for a person to do your job? There's no specific course that you need to do in order to to be a production coordinator. I, I would say that there's no specific skill set that you need. It's more um, something about your interpersonal skills, your problem solving, your patience, and also technical understanding and your understanding of the way that the industry works, sort of coming together to allow you to be a liaison between between a centre of and and clients, to be able to um, build relationships and and work with different people from different departments, different venues, different kinds of shows, mm-hmm. and put that all together. Okay. So it's not necessarily um, a course or something you would do, but a lot of the people that I work with come from an administration background, or they might come from a stage management background, yep. or even, like myself, a, a technical background. So I work as, and still do, as a technical crew on stage. Yeah as well as in sort of management roles. And so it's it's all background and it all helps. And the more knowledge and understanding you have of the way the industry works, the better you can be at your job as a production coordinator. 
Yeah, that makes complete sense. You mentioned uh, working with a whole bunch of different departments. Can you give us a bit of an idea of what departments you're working with? At the Adelaide Festival Centre, the main departments that you work with are the technical production departments, so lighting, sound and staging. Yeah. But you also work with patron services, so that's the department that look after the patrons, the people buying tickets and coming into the venues, mm -hmm. and they look after them once they step in the doors. So we work really closely with them. They're basically, you know, the other side of the curtain, so to speak. Yeah. But you also work with people who work with the clients from very early on. Venue sales are sort of the first point of call for people wanting to book a venue. They talk to them about what sort of space would best fit their show, yep. what they want to bring in, yep. and they often require some technical knowledge right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, so we help them, and you're also working with people from IT or from finance, marketing, publicity, programming, really the whole sort of gamut of all the different departments within the Adelaide Festival Centre to put together a piece of theatre or a piece of art. Yes, yep, yep. What do you find most enjoyable about being a production coordinator? I so enjoy working in the arts for the people. And when I became a coordinator, I went from sort of smiling and nodding at, at these people in the corridors that I'd been passing for years to actually knowing what, they, what their job entailed, what they did, and working alongside them yep. on various projects and shows. And so it was a real pleasure to have sort of that door opened and my eyes opened to the whole process as as a crew you're really sort of the end of the line mm -hmm. with that um the process of putting a show on stage the first time you you're really involved with it is either when they walk through the doors or right before they're about to walk through the doors onto the stage and then as soon as they're done you pack it up and and they're gone and that's it yeah kind of the most exciting time in a way but it is it's the end of the process mm -hmm. and it was really a really amazing experience to see how much work sometimes even years in advance went into putting a show on the stage and being a part of that and also starting work on something that early and seeing it come all the way through to to fruition and success and a happy audience and that was it was really lovely to to be a part of that process okay that's cool I love the arts as well for the people that's why I do it as well because you meet so many strange weird and wonderful people uh, doing what we do <laughs> yes I feel like they're some of the most passionate enthusiastic open-minded people that I meet yeah and it's a real pleasure to to be spending day long days and, and and strange days with these people yeah cool all right so we'll move into pre-production you've touched on it a little bit when you get the piece of paper on your desk to say that you've got a show coming up in a venue what are your first conversations questions that you're talking with the company about um, every show is different uh, which is part of the joy and also part of the challenge yep um, I uh, when I when I work for the Adelaide Festival Centre, there is usually about five production coordinators and we look after everything from the shows and projects that the Adelaide Festival Centre produce in-house mm -hmm. um, to um, a, whole, a wide range of client shows that 
uh, come in and want to book a venue. Mm-hmm. Some of them bring all everything that they need sort of with them and all their crew and all their equipment and yep. and then others might be more like community. We work with a lot of communities who are putting together works who need a lot of help and support yep. to put together their show. So there's sort of a wide range of, of projects and therefore a wide range of ways to start and things you need to do to start. Some shows uh, I'm involved with right from the beginning. Um, like I mentioned, uh, venue sales department mm-hmm. who might take a call from a company wishing to book one of our venues. Yep. And I might uh, do a site visit. So the company would come in to the venue and have a look around. A lot of the time their questions are about ticketing and seat numbers. Sometimes that can change the orientation of the theatre, which makes obviously a big difference to production and to the way that you're going to put on your show. Mm -hmm. Knowing how many audience members you can seat and what you can do with that changes things like ticket prices and sometimes maybe the length of the show, all these sort of decisions that they've got to make before they advertise a show and put it on sale. Okay. Um, And so sometimes production can be a big part of that. We take the information that they have early on and sometimes we do an estimate of the production costs. Mm -hmm. This could be something really essential for them to determine ticket sales or whether they could even put this show on with their budget. And it also allows us to find ways to to be able to assist them to bring their idea to reality within their budget. So are finding ways to achieve like the dream or the idea that they have cost effectively. You know, we, they might not be able to have all the bells and whistles that they imagined. Yeah. But we could still uh, make the magic that they want mm-hmm. in a different way. And uh, sometimes that's really fun and really exciting to be able to help someone find a way to do that and to put their show on. Um, so some shows, you know, you're involved that early. Others just sort of turn up on your desk and in a few weeks' time we're going to have this show and I'll just have a title. Yep. So what I like to do is is a little research, mm-hmm. uh, do a bit of research online and find what kind of show it is, you know, whether it's a piece of theatre or a musical yep. or a dance piece or a band or some sort of conference or a talk, mm-hmm. find out what kind of show it is. That gives you a lot of an ideas uh, about how to proceed and also whether it's a tour, yep. whether they're touring around the country. If it's the first stop, they might not know exactly what they want and what they need or how long it takes for them to to set up or pack up. Yep. Whereas if we're the last stop in a tour, they're pretty polished by then mm-hmm. and they know exactly what they need and how long it takes. Yeah. So I do a bit of that research and then you you usually spend some time. The first person that you contact usually isn't the person that has all the production details. Okay. So sometimes there's a couple of phone calls and emails that happen before you get onto the person who's going to be your liaison that you're going to be working with. Mm-hmm. And I would, when I find that person, I send them the information about the venue that they're going to be in uh, at the centre and provide them with technical specifications and lists of what equipment is available in the venue. And in turn, I ask for their information. So I usually get sent a document called technical specifications or a technical rider, which lists what the show 
uh, needs, what they're bringing with them and what they need us to provide. Okay. The best technical specification document I have ever received was for North by Northwest. Yep. The they show that came through the festival theatre a few years ago. Mm-hmm. The production manager uh, working for them does the most immaculate paperwork that very clearly states, which is often quite difficult, what they're bringing and what they need us to provide. Yep. It was something like a 30-page document wow. with, like, immense detail. But they're not always like that. Sometimes you get an A4 piece of paper with dot points about how we need, you know, two microphones and a DI for our band. And then I, then that's when I like to get someone on the phone. Mm-hmm. I like people. I like working with people. And there's nothing quite like talking to someone in person, even if it has to be over the phone. Yeah. So I like to contact the person by phone and have a chat, talk about their requirements. Sometimes what's on the document isn't updated, it isn't relevant anymore, or we have something different which would do just as well and they didn't realise we had that. So that's great and forget what they had written down. Yes, it's, it's, it's always good to have the latest version of what they require. Absolutely. You would be surprised sometimes at how often that (laughs) that happens. And and quite often the person that you're talking to is not the person that arrives on the day. Yes. And there's been quite a few times where they walk in. I had a singer walk in and look at this way we'd set up the stage for them, ready for their sound check, and say, this isn't the way that we normally do it. Like they'd been doing a tour and this was different. (laughs) They got here and it was different. And I was so pleased that I had in my hands the plan that I had been sent by their production representative because she was sort of ready to lay the blame at our feet and I was able to go, this is what I was provided with. Oh, he's just completely changed his mind. Well, if you don't mind, I'd like this moved and this moved and this moved and the wonderful crew just reset the stage as quickly as possible. Oh, my gosh. And I've also had, you know, Artists arrive and uh, we've gone somewhere strange to get this special water that they required. And then when they arrive, they're like, oh, no, that's my that, my agent shouldn't have said that. That's my rider from three years ago when I was on a diet. I don't need that anymore. <laughs> Gosh, so helpful. So helpful. The uh, the person that's actually out on the road instead of the person in the office, like you just mentioned then, the, the conflicting um, tech specs for, for the show. Yes. You don't you don't always get the chance to talk to the person who's actually going to arrive, but if possible, it's usually the best to get as close as possible to them yeah. to the people who are going to walk into the venue on the day. Because they're the ones that don't really really know what works and what doesn't and what they need and what they can do without. Okay. Yep. I hope you're enjoying this week's episode. Next week, we chat to a set designer. You need to be on the same page in terms of. The world that you're trying to build. I am stuck. I don't see how I can get past this point. Solutions will come in the middle of the night. <laughs> Part of your job, I guess, then is to sort of flesh out more of the details that they haven't necessarily covered in the um, their tech tech requirement form. Absolutely. Do you also pass that information on to other departments within the organisation? Yes. So I would want to get as much information as possible from them and also answer any questions that they have and get a plan for how we're going to move forward. Yep. And then my job, sort of a real main part of a production coordinator's job is then 
to pass that information on to the technical departments. So um, I would then pass that on to the head of lighting, the head of sound and the head of staging yep. and give them a chance to look through that information and think of any questions that they might have to ask to the company and then I would then pass them back to the company or sometimes they might want to talk really technically about an element of the sound or a lighting effect or um, to a a certain procedure that they might have that involves um, front of house staff and then I would pass on contact details to to both sides so they can talk amongst themselves because sometimes it's a lot easier for them to be able to talk in real technical detail without me the middle person yeah involved in the conversation and then other times it is it's good to have uh, a person a production coordinator in that role putting all the pieces together and making the big picture so we can make sure that nothing's been missed and slipped through the cracks yeah cool You've talked talked about some paperwork. Do you actually have your own checklist that you go through to mark off to make sure that you've got all the information? Is there any other paperwork that, that goes backwards and forth? Yeah. When I first started as a production coordinator at the Adelaide Festival Centre, a couple of my colleagues gave me their um, checklists that, yep. that they follow in order to make sure that they're ticking all the things off that they need to do to prepare for an incoming show. Yep. So I'm a list person, so I made a yep. list for myself, but drew little tick boxes in it and spaces to fill in information. So mm-hmm. while I'm talking to someone on the phone, I'm also filling in this form yep. uh, while they're talking with the details and the things that they're saying to me. And I also write on it any questions so that when I'm on the phone, those questions that I have are right there with mm-hmm. me so things don't get missed. There's a lot of things that need finding out that sort of don't aren't assigned to any particular department that end up being the lot of a production coordinator. Mm-hmm. I do things like organize the Wi-Fi for the special printer that the major musical is bringing or order the water for the dance company to feed the thirsty dancers. Mm-hmm. You organize car parks or or directions to a car park. Yeah. Uh, you might hand, uh, hand big companies, big touring companies like major musicals um, are often very grateful for inf- local information like doctors or gyms. Yeah. We do a lot with getting access to the centre, so directions about how to walk in or how to catch public transport in yep. or how to get your set or your equipment in and out mm-hmm. of the centre. There's a lot of things. So there's a, a lot of questions to ask things that wouldn't might not have come up until you ask the question yeah um i've i've organized pianos the the moving of pianos from theater to theater the tuning of said pianos yeah wi-fi passwords yeah a lot of uh, little things that you end up looking after okay so i make my way through the list Yep. and um, tick the things off and yep. there are things that happen early on in the process and then things that you work on later in the process when you have more details ironed out and so I work through my list and make sure that all of the details are taken care of. Yeah you've mentioned about organising all the other bits and pieces that doesn't necessarily fall into a department do you have much to do with the scheduling as well of the musicals or the the one day shows and 
and managing that with the departments as well? Absolutely. Kind of two of the big things that we do is this sort of liaison process of passing on the technical information back and forward. Yep. The other one, I, I would say, is schedule. I have a lot to do with the schedules. Um, yep. Some companies, like you mentioned, um, big major musicals or touring companies like the Australian Ballet Company, for example, mm-hmm. they have very detailed, very fleshed out schedules. Yep. They know pretty far in advance how long it takes for them to, to bump in, to set up, to load in, um, how long like a production week is going to take. And they know in advance how many recruit, how many local crew, festival centre crew that they require. Yeah. So their schedules are pretty polished. But even so, every venue that they go to, there's going to be some fitting to make what they need fit within our guidelines and requirements. There are lots of rules, especially places like the Adelaide Festival Centre, with regards to how many hours that the crew can work before they have a break or what sort of crew can do what kind of roles. And so there's always some work to be done to get an incoming company schedule to fit within our guidelines so that it's a safe working environment for the crew but also yep. so that we can achieve what the company need to achieve in the time that, that we've got. Mm-hmm. There are other companies like lower budget touring companies or very simple bands or community groups who don't have an idea of sort of the rules and regulations and also come from different backgrounds where you might have an all technician. So they expect sort of just to have one technician who can do all of the things. Whereas um, art centres across the country, um, including the Adelaide Festival Centre, are very departmental. So if you need someone to do lighting, the work of a lighting technician, you have to have a lighting technician. And if you want someone to do a sound technician's job, you need a sound technician. You can't have one person to do both. So I spend quite a lot of time working um, with companies on their schedule to make sure that we achieve everything in a, in a cost-effective and a time-effective way and also so that we can have some fun doing it. No one's going to have a lot of fun when they're stressed and under the pump. So we want to make sure that there's enough people and enough time to do the work that we need to do and allow for time for any if anything's going to go wrong or if not necessarily things to go wrong, but you need more time to achieve something. Yeah. There's always going to be something uh, you didn't expect happen something always pops up in bumping that uh, you don't expect to take five hours and when it normally takes two yes absolutely and then something that would normally take a really long time it is actually quite quick because yep. of the crew that you have or the certain equipment that you had here that you haven't had before so it's always different so yes schedule is really important and I spend quite a bit of time on the schedule both in the lead-up and sometimes when the show gets here and we see what it really is, if it's something that isn't obviously one day but lasts a bit longer, you would then make adjustments and changes as you go along. Okay. You continue to schedule throughout the the actual performance run as well? Yes. Shows like big major musicals that last for quite some time, are often um, maintenance sessions or extra rehearsals for understudies, publicity sessions. There's lots of extra things for big shows like that that aren't always known in the lead-up. And so they get added and changed 
to assist with their access to the venue. You do your main work before they arrive, but there's still often a lot of work that gets done when shows arrive on a schedule. Okay. If you like what you're listening to, check out my Facebook page, Unseen Theatrics, for more show notes and links. Sharing education of live theatre. All right, so now that we've covered pre-production, the client arrives and it's bumping. What do you do on their first day of bumping? Do you do inductions or anything like that? Many jobs in the theatre are invisible and and are meant to be so because yeah. if you can see a technician, then, then that's not the magic of theatre. Mm-hmm. But uh, I feel like a production coordinator is like this and is not like this because I like to always, when a company arrives, go down to the venue and meet the company. Yes. A lot of time you've spent a lot of time with these people working on their requirements and talking backwards and forwards and you get to build a, a bit of a relationship with them and so it is really nice to be able to put a face to the name or the voice on the phone or the the sentence structure in an email. and. Yes and get to meet them and introduce yourself. And I like to introduce the crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like a good way to start that great working relationship is to have a, an introduction. So when a company arrives, whether it be five in the afternoon or eight in the morning, I'm yep. there. Yep. I like to be the first person that they meet. Sometimes it can be hard to find your way to a venue. So mm-hmm. I usually try and organise somewhere obvious to meet me and give them my phone number so people can call me and I can meet them and I can bring them down into the venue and show them their space and introduce them to the people that are going to be looking after. And I answer some questions and show them around, show them where I've put the water and here's their Wi-Fi password. And then I disappear. Okay. Like a good magician (laughs) as part of the magic of theatre. I'm very visible and then I disappear because unless something goes wrong, like during a show, you shouldn't see a technician unless something's wrong. Yeah. You shouldn't see me again unless something's wrong. I like to be, of course, I'm there on the end of a phone or an email um, mm-hmm. through the whole process as support. Yeah. But as I like to say to a client when I'm introducing them and leaving them with the, in the capable hands of the crew that there isn't anything from this point on that the crew cannot help them with that I could there's really um they can manage so much that I I feel this great sense of confidence in you spend all this all this time uh and energy and a a lot of yourself um sometimes putting Mm -hmm. into a show yeah and and I do find that when I work with the Adelaide Festival Centre I can pass that on to my colleagues uh, on the stage mm-hmm. and then walk away knowing that it is going to be looked after in the same way that I looked after uh, the show. Cool. Is there, you mentioned introductions. Do you do inductions to venue regarding safety and that kind of stuff or is that part of the crew's responsibility? We do do, when the company arrives, we do do a an induction, a safety yep. induction. Yep. Like I keep saying, every show is different. It can totally. depend a little on their requirements but I would always talk them through uh, what happens in an emergency situation Mm -hmm. so also being a a government building there are a lot of sort of rules and regulations and reporting so things that you um, the ways to report what you think might be a dangerous situation or area or if you have an accident or an injury 
if you need to call a doctor. So we talk through all of that sort of stuff and yep. the procedures and the policies that we have in place, the things that they've agreed to as part of their hire of our venue, of course, mm-hmm. and the way that they need to behave and whether to find the things that they need in order to stay safe. So absolutely, that's a that's a big part of that meeting and that introduction when they walk into a venue. Um, often I've sent the company a, a copy of our policies before they arrive so they can yep. have a, a little read and yep. they might have a question, especially mm-hmm. I'm usually inducting a single member of the company, either a, a production manager or a stage manager or a producer, who's then going to pass that information on to the rest of the company. Yep. So they often might have questions so that they fully understand the process so that they can then describe that to somebody else who would know what to do if, if an alarm sounded or if they needed a Band-Aid. Okay. Yes, that's a big part of what we do and about it's a, a big responsibility to explain that in a way that they feel comfortable not only in themselves but that they could pass on that information and look after their team. Yes, Yep, and uh, I guess keeping them interesting as well. Yes, I, I've also done a couple of inductions in front of large crowds. I mm-hmm. offer when the major musicals come in to be the person to deliver the induction. Yep, company managers and people in in that roles of responsibility do sort of do a little, little visible sigh of relief when I offer to do sort of the safety induction because they already have a, a great deal of responsibility on their shoulders. Yeah. And it's really nice to share that with someone so, like, I can deliver that straight from the centre rather than them being sort of the middle person. Then they've got to learn all the new policies, procedures, and they've only been in the venue for five minutes. Yes, they don't themselves know where the green and yellow signs are, but then they have to describe that to 60 people. So I have um, delivered a couple of inductions to large major musical touring companies. So you've got everyone from like the children in the child cast through to to the adults and the old technicians. Uh, So I like to start with a joke, (laughs) get everyone's attention. Yes, yes, keep them on side. Yeah, and then, yes, it is a skill to be able to deliver the information clearly and in it with as much detail as you need, but also not so much that they then can't remember. What did she say at the beginning when we're talking about the thing at the end? Yeah. I enjoy it. It's it's And it's nice. It's, it's my small way to sort of be in touch with the company because you, you work with this sort of one person really in the lead up or a couple of people and then when you arrive you sort of meet this one person or this small group but sometimes they're they're part of a really big company and so it's just nice to be able to see these are the people that you have helped i guess it's a uh, a a good way for you to introduce introduce yourself that if company anyone in the company has any issues that they can also come and speak to you about about it absolutely they know who i am and that i am part of part of the the team putting their show on stage and people are often very appreciative of that and so it's yeah when they know who I am I I get smiles and and a welcome it's lovely it's nice yeah Yeah. so do you have to do much problem solving during the bumping period or your problem solving's kind of happened pre-production and the text deal with a lot of that stuff now Working on a show, you do both a lot of problem solving in the pre-production period as yep. it comes in and also 
on the ground as it happens. There's always going to be something that that comes up. Hopefully, if you've worked really hard in the pre-production, the things that you're problem solving on the ground are very small and are solved quite easily. Sometimes there's a lot of things that you might need to organise at the last minute because, because of this element of that you're working with people that don't you're working with people that aren't the people that actually walk in. And when the people that walk in go, oh, no, this isn't what we want or what we need at all. Yeah. And then sometimes it works out. I remember this one example where I had contacted um, the person listed as the production um, representative. Yes. I had, like, emailed them a couple of times with our information asking for theirs. And their show must have been on a Monday. And it was a Friday and I still hadn't heard from them until I got a phone call. They, you know, apologising they'd been overseas and all they needed is a microphone and a DI and audiovisual equipment. Right. And I had to then tell them that the Adelaide Festival Centre doesn't have any audiovisual equipment or staff on yep. call. Yeah. So, of course, there was this immediate, <laughs> the poor gentleman just said, Really? <laughs> and I had to stop myself from saying, oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be telling you this if it wasn't the problem. Yeah. No. But straight away I was able to give him the contact details of someone that we worked with um, quite often who knew the venue really well and yeah. they had equipment available and staff available that they could come in um, so they could organise it over the weekend and come in on Monday and they had a screen and they had what they needed to put on their AV presentation while the person doing the talk could do a speech and also sing a song and play his guitar. And yeah. when the company came in and I met them on the Monday, they were so delighted with what we were able to do for them sort of at late notice. I was kind of expecting them to be very stressed because they we hadn't done it really any work pre-production whatsoever yeah but they were like this is an amazing space this is an amazing place the people have been so helpful we feel very looked after and they had a great time so sometimes you can get lucky in that way that the the problems that come up you are able to solve with the experience that you have and and that the, with the facilities you have available to you. Yes, definitely. Moving into a performance performance run, what do you do during once the show's had its opening night? What, what are your roles and responsibilities then? Um, at the Adelaide Festival Centre, we, the production coordinators, have a role in checking the financial paperwork Basically, what's being put into the the bill or the invoice that gets sent to the company and how they resolve the the costs and the financial details. Mm -hmm. With some big, like major musicals that have been tending recently and also some smaller companies to be doing this week by week rather than managing it in one big chunk process lump sum bill whatever you yep. want to call it at, at the end yeah probably using all the incorrect terminology because i'm not a finance person but uh we call it a settlement so rather yep. than uh, having one settlement at the end uh you would be doing that during whereas if it's a one-day show obviously i i'm there introduce people at bump in the show happens during the day or in the evening and then on monday morning if it's the weekend or the next day 
I've got a, I've got a settlement heading my way and it's all yep. wrapped up and it's done. Yeah. As shows are going along, um, I would be checking um, to make sure that all the the hours and the right costs are being assigned to the right company mm-hmm. to make sure from both perspectives that yep. uh, the company's not being overcharged for something and also that um, nothing's been left out and there's something yep. that we haven't, we've organised for them that hasn't been uh, applied. Okay. Also with big shows, um, there's often extra rehearsals or extra maintenance calls or publicity or extra things that come up that may need to be organised that need our mm-hmm. help. Yep. There's also functions. At the Adelaide Festival Centre, they have a food and beverage or catering department that mm-hmm. look after the functions. But sometimes they have production requirements like speeches or yep. music, mm-hmm. production elements. Someone could be singing a song, fundraising. Uh, they might need extra lighting for a media wall or a publicity shoot. So yep. there's lots of extra things that we often help with that might come up as we go but as far as like the performance in the venue that normally happens without production coordinators sort of hands-on involvement okay okay do you get the show reports from stage management just to keep abreast of what's what's going on yes again it's usually from longer running shows like um, major musicals or from companies like the State Theatre Company do show yep. reports, of course, mm-hmm. and they would send us a copy. Usually if there was something that came out of a performance that required assistance from the venue, they would contact me directly to say that there was something extra that they needed or maybe something's broken and they need to be able to get into access into the venue earlier before the show to fix it. Yep. Or there's something that they'd realise that they they would like extra sort of front of house need some more staff or some more assistance. If I have organised a stage manager, which is something that production coordinators do for some of our shows, Mm -hmm. any show that's organised by the centre, that's produced by the centre, we would put a stage manager on it to to manage that function or show. Um, They would then fill out an Adelaide Festival Centre stage management report and, of course, I would read that at the next available moment Mm-hmm. Sometimes those documents are really helpful planning other shows or indeed um, repeat visits from the same company. I've yep. worked on shows from progressive years where we used things that went well or that didn't go well from a previous performance mm-hmm. and found a different way to do that that worked better the next time. Yeah. So sometimes those documents can be uh, really helpful. Yeah, and always trying to improve the uh, the client's experience in the venue. Client's experience and also the crew's experience in the venue. I, I find that a part of my job that I, I like to spend, put some attention into, um, making sure that the crew also have a safe, comfortable and an enjoyable experience mm. working and putting a show on. All right. If you like what you hear, please subscribe so you can hear each episode as it comes out. So the the curtains come down for the final show of a a long run. You've probably mentioned a few of the things to do with bump out, the charges that you give to them weekly that would continue. What else do you do during the bump out period? So bump outs often happen in the evening after a show um, or sometimes they happen you know, Monday morning, 8am after the Mm -hmm. weekend, you start a bump out. Usually that doesn't require my presence. Everyone on stage knows what they need to do to pack up. But there could be things that they need my assistance with, with organising the loadout or the sending off of equipment. 
Yeah. We spend a lot of time organising access to the centre, yeah. whether it be directions or how to get trucks into the dock mm. to load set and equipment. Yeah. Um, sometimes I turn up just to make sure that um, the trucks have arrived on time, that they didn't have any problems getting in and that everything is being loaded in the way that the client needs it to. Okay. And then do you deal with a little bit with freight for companies? Sometimes. Uh, I personally have never organised any freight. Yep. Usually this is organised by the company and they prefer it to do it themselves. Yep. But we can help them with freight. But um, most often when a company is organising their own additional equipment or their own freight I like to touch base with the company providing that equipment to make sure that they've been given the right address and to make sure I know what time mm -hmm. so that we know when to expect um, the equipment or the arrival or the delivery. Yep. Often I find despite sort of giving a, an address or a day or time, something gets lost in translation and it's helpful to cut out a, a middle person when you don't need to and talk yep. directly to the contractor Okay. There's sometimes a little bit of extra information that I can provide yeah. directly to someone bringing something in, mm -hmm. um, bringing a truck in, delivering some backline equipment for a band or yeah. a CO2 or cylinders or something for a smoke machine or a fog machine. Yeah, cool. All right. So post-production. So are you just wrapping up paperwork and doing the settlement? Post-production for a production coordinator is all about settlement. Yeah. Post-production especially is really about the money. So we have a large document called a settlement that's prepared by the finance department. They pull mm -hmm. all the information from computer systems yep. that's been entered in by various departments that pulls together all the costs that that, yep. prediction, that particular show is incurred. Things like functions, labour from the different departments, both yep. technical production and also like patron services and other staff, pulls all that sort of that information together and that document gets passed around to the different departments that need to double-check it and sign off on it. Yep. So it comes to production and I go through and check all the labour and the equipment and, uh, and sign off on it and then that goes to my manager um, before it gets passed back to the finance department. There's also sometimes a little bit of work that needs to be done to maybe um, return equipment to various companies. Mm-hmm. One I remember one time working for on a show that was at Her Majesty's Theatre when the company had organised their own truck to collect their equipment and it had not arrived, mm -hmm. but the company all needed to get on a plane to go right. to the next city. So I ended up being the one to go to Her Majesty's Theatre with some crew and open up the doors and meet the freight, the truck, yep. picking up the freight and make sure that that got on its way to mm. them. Yeah. Um, so sometimes there's things like that that we take care of for the company, okay. but mostly it's all about the settlement document. Oh, cool. Two questions to go. First question is, how is it being a wonderful lady in this um, this entertainment industry for you? I find and I feel and I say that I enjoy working with men. It is particularly in a technical production, working on stage, I feel that I'm working in it it's still a, uh, a male-orientated industry, mm -hmm. but um, I enjoy that. Yep. I don't feel that that's necessarily to its detriment mm -hmm. or the, to the detriment of a woman working in a male-dominated industry. There are more women, which is 
and more and more as time goes on, which is great. Yeah. But I quite enjoy that. And I feel that there are, were a lot of women who came before me in the industry who did a, all the hard work to change minds and forge a path to make it easier for women like me to come behind them and work in this industry. Yeah. I feel they, I've heard a lot of stories from the women that came before me about hard, harder times and discrimination that they dealt with. Mm-hmm. And I'm very grateful for them, for the work that they did to make it as easy as I find it um, yeah. to work in my industry. There are other women who don't have an easy, as easy time as I do yeah. working in the industry, but it is, it is always changing. In a way, it's slightly generational that you still do come up against certain opinions or ideas that women can't do something technically as well as a man can, that women can't, you know, lift something as heavy, which to a certain extent is true, but also to a certain to a, to an extent, especially when it comes to technical knowledge or know-how is yeah. irrelevant and unnecessary. There's a certain amount of that that is generational and so that changes and will continue to change as time goes on. I certainly find that a lot of the young men I work with in the industry don't think like that because they weren't brought up that way. They weren't educated to think that there was a difference. So it is changing. But at the same time, I, I feel that I'm very blessed and I'm very lucky due in a large extent to the women that came before me, but also... Uh, in a large way, to the men that I work with. I work with many inclusive, open-minded, generous men who don't see me as a woman but as a colleague. Yeah. And a lot of men who support the fact that I am a woman in a male-dominated industry and that when they see me doing something that usually a bloke would be doing, they are very supportive and come in and go, yes, that's great that you're doing that. Mm-hmm. I remember standing in a field uh, in Taiwan uh, loading a truck with a lot of um, Taiwanese gentlemen. Yes. I find in Asian countries even more so it's very it's a very male-dominated industry. I have been the only woman on stage with about sort of 100 people in the theatre and I am the only woman. Yeah, wow. And I feel sometimes that it's a testament to the men that I work with that sometimes I don't notice for quite some time that I'm the only woman. Yeah. And I remember standing in this field loading the truck with these um, Taiwanese men. Most of them didn't speak a word of English. But you do a lot of smiling and nodding and saying thank you in their language and pointing and that gets the information through. But there was this large smoke machine case and I was pointing to it and pointing to the truck and they were just continuing to look at me like I was an idiot. And it was 40 degrees and it was hot and I was tired. And so I just picked up the thing and put it in the truck and I was like, there, case, in truck. And then I could just see this. And I turned around and in the shade of the truck beside me was the head mechanist on our touring show. And he was like, well done, V. Most women wouldn't have done that. <laughs> they yeah. just continued to struggle. But I was like, sure, I'm asking you to do this thing because that's, that's your job. That's what you've been employed here to do. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if I can show you by just doing it, yeah, it doesn't matter that I'm a woman, I can lift this heavy thing and I can put it on a truck. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I get a lot of support from just doing what they can do. Yeah. 
Cool. That's a really good answer. Final question. Uh, any tips or tricks that you could pass on to fellow listeners? In general, um, patience. Patience is such a virtue. Yeah. You can never have too much patience for any situation or any person. Um, looking beyond the situation that you're dealing with, you could be dealing with it. I, lo- I try and I, I think I'm very positive about our industry and about the work that we all do. But of course, day to day, we all come up with so many daily frustrations and you work with people who really test your patience. Yeah. And it's so important to to have patience and also see that there's there's always something else. The what you're coming up against might come from a bad experience that they have had before they've been working with you. Yeah. And that their frustrations are colored by previous bad experience. Mm. Or that maybe you just need to stop and explain in a different way because they feel that their options are limited because they haven't quite grasped all the concepts that you're trying to deliver to them. Yeah. It's so important to always see that those those frustrations and those brick walls that you come up against might have a window in them if you could just find it, if you can look beyond the bricks to see the other side. Yes, and I think communication uh, is really important in your job and also being able to explain things differently so people can understand it if they don't necessarily get it the first time. Absolutely. Communication is so important and lots of different ways to communicate. I work with people who, for them, English might not be their first language, people who have been working in the industry for 30-plus years or, or people who have, might have come from an amateur background but have, yeah. have an idea or have a, a, a company of their own or something that they want to, to put together. And the way that you communicate with these people from different backgrounds and different experiences and even sometimes different languages is, is so important and it's important to find different ways to do that. I, I find too, like when I'm I'm working with the staging department, they 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 are men who build sets, they like plans. Yeah. So, you know, I could write out a huge detailed email with lots of beautiful flowery language and it's of very little use to them. But if I can give them a picture with mm. measurements on it or arrows and a drawing, yeah. that is of so much more benefit for them that's such better communication to that target audience of stating technicians yes whereas uh, a commercial client would much more appreciate a long email with lots of detail answering all their questions yeah so a big part of communication is knowing your audience and finding the right way to deliver you the information or to get out of them the information that you need in order to to help them yeah totally awesome they were some some very helpful uh, tips and tricks to finish up on. So thank you, Vanessa, for joining us on Unseen Theatrics podcast for today. You're so welcome. I, I hope I've shed some light on on the unseen and and un, unaware of job of production coordinating because awesome. it's certainly not a job that I realised existed before I entered the arts industry. Thanks for listening. Join me again next week as I chat with a set designer. 